don't praise you as I give the following introduction. Because when you meet together, it does more harm than good. First of all, when you meet together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I partly believe it. It's necessary that there are groups among you to make it clear who is genuine. So when you get together in one place, it isn't to, to eat the Lord's meal. Each of you goes ahead and eats a private meal. One person goes hungry while another is drunk. <laughs> Don't you have houses to eat and drink? Or do you look down on God's churches and humiliate those who have nothing? What can I say to you? Will I praise you? No, I don't praise you in this. I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you on the night on which he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this wine, you broadcast the death of the Lord Jesus until he comes. For these reasons, then, my siblings, when you get together to eat, wait for each other. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Dan. Friends, it is always an honor to be led in worship and to serve in community uh, with Dan Ivey and Dot Ivey. Dan is retired clergy, and we are so thankful for his presence in our community. Thank you, Dan. Yes. Yes. Clap for retired clergy, because one day I will be one. And I hope it's like a year from now. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, good morning. My name is Drew Wilson. It is my joy to serve as one of the co-pastors here at Common Table, along with Stephen Port, who was not supposed to be here today, and here he is. Actually, don't notice him. Don't notice him, except he's a seven, so please notice him, just not right now. After the service. All right. Anyway, uh, I invite our kids to head out to kids' ministry. We've got Millard Poor back there with the kids. Head on out. We love our VIPs, we call them. They're so precious to us. Yes. So kids, as y'all head out to kids' ministry, we're so thankful for them, for our volunteers, and for you all for the ways that you support kids' ministry here at Common Table with your recurring financial gifts. Thank you for your generosity. You make a difference in the lives of parents and guardians who want to send their kids away. So, um, <clears throat> no, children, the children, right. Well, let's start with a question. Um, what does the word tradition mean to you? What does the word tradition mean to you? What does it evoke in you? A sense of history, warm, fuzzy feelings of family traditions, unease because of family traditions, how about church tradition? Is that 
interesting to you? Does that set you on edge? Today we begin a four-week, four-part series called On the Quad. Oh, On the Quad. And traditionally, this time of the year is back to school season. Get your backpacks, get your school supplies, get your social anxiety. But we also, we come to this season with a question at the start of this new year, not only in school, but also in our Christian discipleship in the world. What supplies do we take with us? What supplies do we take with us? What are our primary tools for the task of faithfulness in the world? Do you ever wonder about this? Beyond my personal spiritual life, what happens when I start to engage the rest of the world? Sometimes there's a big divide between our personal spiritual lives and how we engage the world, right? Well, how do we do faith in the world? When we get the troublesome text or check the mess that is social media, when we see the fiery headlines or ponder our poisoned politics, when we wonder what sources can be trusted as we make decisions amid divisions. How do we engage faithfully? How does faith aid us in navigating the troubled waters of our times? What are the theological tools in our tool belt? What are the good books in our backpack as we start this year? Well, friends, welcome to the Common Table University Bookstore. And we have got the goods you need as you get back to life on the quad. And in fact, we have four main resources for the theological task of engaging our world. Now, some of you have already guessed what they are. The four critical tools are TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. <laughs> I mean X, sorry. Okay, no, no, not that. Rather, I offer to you what is known as the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Okay, we done? Let's go home. All right, great. All right, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which suggests that the core of the Christian faith is revealed in Scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified in personal experience, and confirmed by reason. The four tools in our tool belt, scripture, tradition, experience, reason. We will cover one of each of these on each of the next four Sundays. And today we are focusing on tradition. Tradition! Oh. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Okay. All right. Now, now some of us come from traditions that ironically suggest that traditions cannot be trusted. And we live in a time of profound distrust in institutions. Trust in the Supreme Court is at an all-time low. Congress is not far behind. And I wonder if we will ever see a presidential approval rating above 50% again. 
That's how divided and distrustful we are over institutions and traditions, including news and higher education and church. So how about some levity? One of my favorite, all-time favorite church jokes is really boring and nerdy, so I will try to spice it up. You ready? Okay, two Christians meet at a glamorous in-person retreat for ChristianMingle.com, the Christian dating site. And the first says to the other, hey, good looking, what's your denominational tradition? Right? Is this hot? This is hot. Okay. And the second replies, hmm. <laughs> United Methodist. And the first says, me too. But before the 1968 merger that created the United Methodist Church, were your people from the Methodist Church or the Evangelical United Brethren Church? And the second says, EUB, baby. And the first says, me too. But before the EUB merger, were your people from the evangelical church or the church of the United Brethren in Christ? And the second says, ah, you are so hot. United Brethren in Christ all the way. And the first says, me too. But was that United Brethren in Christ new constitution of 1889 or United Brethren in Christ old constitution of 1841? And the second says, United Brethren in Christ, new constitution of 1889. And the first says, burn in hell, sinner. <laughs> oh, church nerds. We are like cultivating them here. Yeah. Okay, but that is like, that's like the worst that we can imagine about tradition, right? That's the worst. Just one more barrier between us. But that is not what the apostle Paul was talking about when he writes to the early Corinthian church, he writes, I received a tradition. You heard Dan read it. I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. It's the tradition of Holy Communion, except that it wasn't called that yet. It was called the Eucharist which is old, old Greek for thanksgiving. If you go to Greece now and you say, is it ephoristo, Eucharist, ephoristo. Gave thanks and broke the bread. Eucharist, thanksgiving. And Paul is calling back to this tradition that he received and handed on. He's doing this because he's engaging this problem both in the world and in the church. And it's the problem of table manners. Table manners. So here's the deal. Corinth. He's writing to the Corinthians, the city of Corinth. Corinth was one of the most powerful cities in ancient Greece. Do we have a Corinth image? I can't remember. Maybe? Maybe not. Oh, beautiful. All right. So that's ancient Corinth. And I mean, it's got some cool stuff in that city. You can see a little amphitheater there. I mean, this is a prolific powerful, prestigious place. And the Corinthians were used to living by the customs of their time and place. Now, Paul had started this new church in Corinth. He had taught them the practice of the Eucharist. 
Now, it was the centerpiece of early church gathering. Did you know that? The Eucharist. It's the centerpiece of early church gathering, just as it is the centerpiece of our weekly gathering here at Common Table. But the Corinthians put their own cultural spin on it. They didn't have a church building, per se, so they met in private homes of those who were wealthy enough to host. It was something like a dinner party. The dining room held about eight to ten people, and the adjoining atrium held 40 to 50 more. And it was absolutely normal that those of higher status received privileged places and better food in the dining room, while enslaved persons and others of lower status ate out in the atrium. And Paul said, whoa, whoa, nope, 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 nope. Look at yourselves. That is not the Lord's meal that I taught you. That's not the table that I taught you. You are eating separately. Some of you are feasting and getting drunk while others go hungry. And I see what you're doing. What you're doing is transferring what's normal in the culture around you into the life of the church. But the meal that you're celebrating is meant to transform what you thought was normal. As Paul says elsewhere, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that is, the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Because at Christ's table, we all have a place. At Christ's table, we all get a piece. At Christ's table, the first are last, and the last are first. And at Christ's table, the host is among us as the one who serves. So, siblings in Christ, when you get together to eat, mind your manners. Wait for each other. Now, in the Wesleyan quadrilateral, I know that Scripture goes first. But the early church didn't have scripture outside of the Hebrew Bible. They didn't have scripture telling them how to do transformed life in Christ. They didn't have that yet. Paul was just writing these letters, trying to help people through it, referring to the tradition that he received. And he was using that tradition as an interpretive tool, a tool to transform trouble. And that was not the only time. As Luke tells us in the Gospel of Luke, on the evening of the first Easter, two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, grieving the recent death of Jesus, and they met a stranger who engaged them and talked with them and discussed the scriptures, but their eyes were only opened in what? The breaking of the bread. In the tradition They were talking the whole dang day about the scriptures. Only in the breaking of the bread was the risen Christ revealed. How about that? And then, in this moment, Paul referred to this egalitarian meal as a way to reset the expectations for relationship in this new community in Christ that was hosted in Corinth. But that wasn't the only time in Christian history. We have a long tradition 
of transformation around the table. Do you know about Cesar Chavez? Cesar Chavez, the 20th century Mexican-American labor leader and civil rights activist. In the 1960s, Cesar Chavez led the United Farm Workers in a national boycott of grapes from unjust growers. The Farm Workers Union was no ordinary union. Incessant prayer and regular communion permeated the movement. And here is a picture of Cesar Chavez ending a 25-day fast on March 10th, 1968. And that is Bobby Kennedy, senator and presidential candidate, breaking bread with him. Look how the tradition they share uncovers a different social order that can, with practice, transform the order of our world. And on a much smaller scale, Look at what's happened here at Common Table. If you don't know the story, nearly two years ago, two churches from different backgrounds came together really over one tradition, the Eucharist. Different stories, different songs, different styles, but a shared commitment to weekly communion. We did not know if we could do it. We really did not know. But the practice of the tradition formed us into people who could. Right. Right. Get a little teary thinking about it. Okay, so. Um, <clears throat> we kept gathering around this egalitarian table, sharing this egalitarian meal, dining together week after week after week, being formed by the table manners of Christ. And the tradition showed us from the start what this community could look like at its best. Right. We're still living into it. We're still working on it. But that's why we're going to do this again today. So here's the invitation. This year, this new year, this academic year, this new year of discipleship, receive the traditions of the church as a tool for the theological task that is before us. And what is the task? It's not hard to figure out. We are sent to engage the world with the table manners of Christ. Right. We are sent to engage the world with the table manners of Christ, where everyone is welcome, where everyone is fed, where no one is waiting in the atrium while the privileged pig out. Christ blessed and broke the bread, sharing it with all his friends for the life of the world. And this year, the task is before us to mind our table manners, to look not at the table through the lens of the world, but rather to look at the world through the lens of the table. So we are collaborating with Birdhouse Farmers Market to work in the community garden right here in the Randolph neighborhood on Saturday, August 19th, next Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon. Hope you can be there. It's good table manners. We are in contact with Second Baptist Church just up the street from us to join them in their Wednesday feeding program right here in the Randolph neighborhood. Stephen and I drive past every Wednesday. The place is packed, packed, and we could be a part of that ministry along with them. We are in the early stages 
with the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy to become a 100% voting congregation because if we are not advocating for egalitarian public policy, then we really aren't extending the table, are we? Amen. Right. right? Let's engage our world through the guiding grace of our traditions like the table and scripture and experience and reason. We'll get to all that stuff, but first, as it always has been here at Common Table and always was in the life of the early church, first, come to the table. There's a place prepared for you and for everyone. And that is enough to change the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.